All right, welcome to the Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Garezzi. This is a show where I do improvised horror stories. What I do is I pull out random titles from a jar, and then I just make up the stories from there. I've had questions in the past uh, where I used to do this as a live stream, and random people on the internet would ask, hey, do you write the stories yourself? And I say, yes, except I don't write them ahead of time. I'm literally making them up as soon as I say them. Every time I do that, every single time I make up all the stories, pull them out of my ass, and sometimes some good stuff comes out. Actually, scratch that. They're all good. They're all good for different reasons. Some have more somber stories. Some stories are sillier and funnier. And I've done it about 95 times. This is about the 96th time or so that I've done it. Because of all the episodes I recorded, uh, there was one episode that was never recorded. It was the very first one I did. And I did this for a previous family union unit. Again, just during the height of the pandemic, as I've said many times. Because that was the genesis of the show. Um, but it was like a one-off thing. When I was doing it, I was like, oh, this could be a show. So I did it again and recorded it. And that was what, that's what the first episode was. And I was like, oh, this is like a... This is a thing. I can definitely do this at least a hundred times. And that's on the verge of happening. But I repeat myself a lot in the intros, you know. I always talk about the pandemic. And, you know, in the United States at this point, late 2022, it's winding down, quote-unquote. So, that's weird. I don't know. A lot of people have the philosophy of just, like, and I've, I've shared this view, for sure, of just, you know, COVID-1. Um, so there's that uh, huge letdown, bummer, disappointment, etc. Uh, no, but whenever I think about ending the show, um, I think about what that means in terms of, like, broadcasting. Like, traditionally, you know, even before, during and before the internet, just doing a show that you're doing on a regular basis, you know, weekly at least. Um, like, the big example right now is um, uh, Trevor Noah, the host of The Daily Show, took over from Jon Stewart, of course. Um, he's ending his run, and uh, online they just posted clips of, like, episodes from, like, the last episode and all that. Um, and I might watch the last one in full just because... You know, I love The Daily Show and his run of it. But when I watch it, it's, like, got to be, like, time taken out of my day. Because I know it's going to be, like, this, this an emotional thing, you know. Um, that's always the case for doing a show, regardless of the radius or um, amount of viewership or influence or impact or whatever. It's still an emotional thing. Uh, like, um... Like the Larry Sanders show, uh, the show Gary Shandling did, uh, it was a sitcom on HBO, uh, like in the early 90s, uh, 
where he played Larry Sand- Sanders, the host of a talk show, akin to like a Johnny Carson or a Letterman or something like that. Um, it's really great. I'm actually stunned that more people from my generation uh, haven't caught wind of it. But uh, but in the last episode, uh, or the last two-parter at the beginning of it, um, he's watching the last episode of a different talk show from like the previous generation. Um, and I didn't recognize the host or what the show was. Uh, like, if it was Ed Sullivan, I don't know what he looks like, really, so I wouldn't recognize him. Um, but he's just, like, watching the episode and, like, him giving a send-off to a show as Larry Sanders, the character, is preparing to give a send-off of his own show. And I was watching this clip uh, before I started recording about how to do a send-off of this show, um, which would technically take place... Um, in, like, on the 100th 100th episode. Uh, But it's also been in the fabric of the last 25 episodes. Like, since episode 76 was when I was like, okay, I'm ready to wrap this thing up. Um, Yeah, I'll say more shit about it in the future, probably. Um, I had one other thing to mention. Another, Another thought. Don't quite remember what it is. So I'm going to translate that um, sentiment to a batch of horror stories. So let's begin. Anyway, this next story, or this first story, or this only story, is called When You Wish Upon a Star. When it comes to the history of trading, being a trucker isn't the only isn't always the most glamorous job. Um, some people glorify it, and there's plenty of reasons to glorify it. But the one period when being a trucker just seemed amazing was when Earth figured out interplanetary space travel. Once the expansion of the colonies really started going, and they had outposts all throughout the solar system, that's when being a trucker, being a trader, was absolutely coveted 
even when people drove spacecrafts, um, the term trucker still stuck around uh, the vehicles, the spacecrafts they used were called space trucks. So when space travel became more of an accessible feat, a lot of people uh, hopped on the opportunity to become space truckers. And it was an exciting time to be one. In the first uh, waves of the idea of space travel as a real thing to do, you know, it was easy to harken back to the time of the 1980s and 1990s, uh, where you watch all the broadcast media, like science documentaries and Star Trek The Next Generation, that played a very kind, soothing synth and talked about space travel like it was the next phase of knowledge and critical thought. And a, re and a release for a lot of the turmoil and destruction that humans cause on Earth. And several decades, decades later, that same sentiment was bastardized by a lot of billionaires who tried to privatize space travel. An idea of making spaceships and going to Mars uh, became vanity projects. During that period, uh, these billionaires romanticized space travel uh, as means to escape uh, the devastation that was coming for Earth. And that devastation came. The species suffered. But there were enough survivors to rebuild. And then once they did, it became a little bit more peaceful. And then they figured out space travel a little bit more. They figured out terraforming. They started setting up spaceports all throughout the solar system in different colonies with different acclimated climates. With all these space, uh, space posts and spaceports and all these different colonies, there was a need for trade. Certain colonies kind of grew their own resources, uh, but didn't quite grow everything they needed. Uh, sound familiar? So there's a large demand for people to travel the stars to make de these deliveries and these trades. And this was the first time in human history when space travel became a very possible feat uh, for working class people. And again, a lot of people hopped on the op opportunity um, 
It was like joining the military in post-World War II, like everyone did it. And people from wealthier families, uh, they had kids uh, who tried to rebel and they ended up running away and they would say, I'm gonna be a trucker. And then they became a space trucker and had their own little adventures. And truly being a space trucker was an adventurous job. Just the prospect of going to space during that time was remarkable. And certainly still is from this narrator's standpoint. But as the decades went on, as the centuries went on, and once space travel became more and more normalized, more and more mundane, Being a space trucker just became another profession. Sure, it was a stable job. The pay was decent. If you did your job well, there wasn't a whole lot to complain about. But if you're just on that space vessel, just going from one outpost to another, you know, you had a lot of time to kill. Probably listen to a lot of podcasts. And over time, it just became another job. One that kind of just blended in with the fabric of society. One of, the thing, one, it's one of those things that you don't notice unless it's missing. Sound familiar? And this is certainly how Dean felt about the job as a space trucker. He romanticized a job when he was a kid. Like, for Halloween, he would be a space trucker, for sure. And when there would be career day uh, at his elementary school, you know, a lot of parents would run it. A lot of kids would bring in their parents, and they do, like, little presentations throughout the day. It's real, it was a real exciting way uh, for kids to kind of learn about adult trades and all that. Give them some thoughts about the future, for their future at least. You know, some kids out come in, you know, some parents were nurses. Some were clerks at, at the local courthouse. One was even a mailman. That's right, there's still mail in interplanetary, inner space travel times. There's still paper, paper mail. People are still into it. The Postal Service in this space uh, world is hanging on by a thread, but goddammit, it's hanging on. It's called Space Mail. And there's a space trucker. Now, when Dean looked back about this man who came in, it's one of those things when, like, uh, like, if you're a kid and you meet an adult, like a weird teacher, and you're like, oh, this guy's really cool. And then, like, you see, like, a home movie with this teacher, and it's like, oh, actually, that guy was kind of weird, you know? Like, if you go to a convenience store as a kid, and then the clerk there tells you all about the porn there, the 
porn magazines. And you're like, wow, thanks, that's really cool. And then you grow up as an adult, you're just like, wait a minute, that's weird. That's really weird. This space trucker was kind of like that kind of guy. But in turn, he also made space trucking look way cooler than it is. Well, not necessarily cooler than it is, but he definitely extracted the cool things about space trucking and made it sound like that was the job, you know? Probably the same way a lot of police officers get hired and they're just like, they they romanticize and they're like, oh, that sounds great. And then they become cops and like, wait, I'm an asshole, you know? That's my theory about how those dudes get into it, but that's a different thing. Even in space. There are cops in space. It's a whole thing. They guard the trade po- trade posts and all that. You know, you can get pulled over. You know, that's why if you're a space trucker, you always gotta go to speed limit. There are speed limits in this uh, space trucking world. Uh, you know, there's these certain routes that you have to go. And this is something that the space trucker in the elementary school is explaining. Just like, yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta go these certain space routes, go to all the posts, you know just got to the speed limit and there's like other space vessels going to it's kind of like a highway down here you know except we have these designated areas that we can go because you know like with gravity or um a lot of these posts are circling planets and moons and all that so we have like these space highways that we kind of go by we have these maps so you can go these certain routes um and not, like, run into an asteroid field or something, or not get sucked into a black hole, you know? It's very useful when you're on there. And it's constantly changing also. Like, if you build a road on Earth, it just stays that road, and it's always that road, you know? But in space, you know, depending on what time of the space calendar you're traveling at, you know, you can, it can be a completely different route from one Earth year to the next. So you always have to be up to date about how the maps are, go- maps are going, you know. It's like these periodical updates. It's just part of the job. It's really only the reading I do. Uh, I listen to more audiobooks anyway. And then a little Dean was just floored by this talk about space trucking. And again, this space trucker, he's kind of talking about just like the workplace monotony of space trucking, but this kid was just like, I think this is fucking cool. So Dean rose his hand, and he said, is there anyone that goes off the space highways? And then the space trucker said, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, anyone can, you know. Um, Unless you're, like, in a certain area of the space posts, you know, uh, they have their own rules about how you can navigate off-road, as we call it. It's funny that we still use a lot of Earth terms in space, but, you know, not too much changes over time. But yeah, there's different things you can do. Um, If you kind of go far out, like say, you know, say you're going from one space post to another. If you're going on that space highway and you're out of the sectors of both space posts, say like the halfway point, where neither space post has jurisdiction over that specific area of space highway, even though it's part of the map, part of the trading route, 
you can deviate it without any sort of legal, uh, any sort of legal mishaps. Um, it's similar to, uh, what's that phrase when you go out into the ocean so far out of the jurisdiction of any country, off waters, um, offshore, open waters. I don't know. I'm not a sailor. I'm a fucking space trucker. But yeah, you can go off-road if you're far away from, far away enough from a uh, space post is what I'm getting at. Legally. Not the most wisest thing. I mean, that's part of the lore of space trucking, man. You know, anything can happen on those roads out in space. I mean, like, we all saw, you know, we've all seen Star Trek as a kid, you know. Whoops. We've all seen Star Trek as a kid, you know going like the distance and all that exploring new worlds and all that but you know we don't have the Enterprise man we don't have the Millennium Falcon we have space trucks and if you go off road in a space truck you know it's it's like running over cactuses like on earth like it's you're gonna have a bad time probably if you don't know what you're doing Now, being in a, being a space adventurer, uh, you know, some of the space posts, uh, some of the colonies have their own expansion pro- projects, so they hire people that just go out and just find shit, and, like, 80 to 90% of those people die, you know? They just document and send off what they can if they're in Wi-Fi range, but, like, yeah, you know, so if you want to, like, see space and not die, probably a space trucker is probably the best profession you could do he didn't quite know why but he was thinking about the space trucker a lot when he was on the road on this particular day day is a complicated term um he even remembers the space trucker dad telling about it he was saying, yeah, man, like, you know, you got, you know, on Earth, in the United States, not the United States, that's not a thing anymore, that's a new name now, something else, there's no way it would last past the 2020s or whatever, who knows, that's a different story, anyway, but yeah, you got, like, the Gregorian calendar here, and the way you measure calendar here, it's, like, through the year, right, so, like, every time the Earth goes around the sun once, that's a full year perfect way to measure time and all that with the exception of like the leap year thing you know you don't quite have that chisel down but we have like a space calendar that all the space posts use because think about it you're a space trucker you're staying at hotels space posts and different colonies and your year isn't you're not staying on a planet for very long so how do you measure time man we got a whole system out there. It's like the it's like you know your Gregorian calendar, measuring Earth years. That's like the standard measuring system. We have the metric system. That's the difference. Dean was driving down that space highway. He saw some other space vessels around and he was just thinking about that space trucker dad on career day 
I'm just thinking, God, that space trucker was so fucking cool. And Dean really thought that he made space trucking seem really cool. Because he was cool. Dean was actually being trained uh, to be a space trucker, uh, learning how to operate the vessels and all that. He met that guy because uh, they were from the same hometown. And Dean said, hey, you went to career day when I was a kid. Um, and I just, I gotta say, you were inspiring. Like, it inspired me to be a space trucker. And the space trucker dad said, uh-oh. And then Dean said, well, why uh-oh? And the space trucker just said, well, I mean, listen, kid. I Again, it's decent work. It's stable. It pays all right. There are some benefits. But it's tough. It's, it's a tough way to make a living, you know? So, again, I hope, you know, you got the job. I hope you enjoy yourself. But uh, it's not like it's not the big vacation that I made it out to sound like. I just wanted to, I just wanted to impress uh, impress all the kids in that class, you know, because I was like John's dad, you know, and like I had a whole thing with his mom. We were kind of estranged, and I really I thought if I could like win over John, I could win over like his mom, you know, uh, or at least like stay in John's life. You know, we had a huge, you know, big falling out and all that. So I thought if I really bring it on career day, you know, maybe my son will love me. And that's what I was thinking that day. I wasn't trying to influence any kids to be space truckers, but you know what? You're here. I think it's great. Welcome to the team. You know, it's definitely, uh, we definitely have our own, um, network of knowledge of the world for sure. You know, like sailors or stand up comedians, you know, we just, we know some things. We know a very, we know a certain strand of society very well, and we have our own lens and our own camaraderie. So for that, Welcome to that, man, but fuck, I hope it doesn't suck too much. <laughs> and then the dude just walked off. And Dean thought, just stared stared at him walking away. He was just like, yeah, that's, that guy's pretty weird. But he made space trucking sound cool. Cool enough to fuck up my life. Whoops. And that's what Dean thought when he was driving down that space highway. He's just like, yeah, going down space trucking. But he was driving down that highway, thinking about this space dad, this space trucker dad, thinking about career day, and thinking about meeting him when he was being trained to be a space trucker. And he's driving down that space highway. And he thought, is this all that I am? Am I just a space trucker? He looked out into the stars. And he thought about the song, When You Wish Upon a Star. And when he was younger, he had more shinier eyes and all that. Saw the world in a very optimistic view. Because as, as he started to settle in to his career as a space trucker, he realized that he would stare at the stars every day, every workday, 
gaze into its majesty and its beauty, and he would never make a wish. He thought it was remarkable that he could be exposed to such profound beauty and almost be numb to it. I mean, there was plenty of days when he appreciated it for sure. You know, he wasn't callous. You know, like if you're someone that works a graveyard job on Earth and you get an opportunity to see the sunrise, you goddamn take a moment to appreciate it. And that's how he saw space and the stars. But again, it just dwindled and dwindled his romanticism of it. He became a space trucker in the name of adventure. And he just didn't feel like he was living a very adventurous life. So as he was driving, he looked at his uh, map screen. And he saw that he was that the space post he had to deliver to uh, was on one of Jupiter's moons. Or one of Saturn's moons, excuse me. And he was coming back from a, uh, a uh, space post. But he was a considerable distance from both. Not really in any of their legal jurisdiction in their bay areas or anything. So as he was driving, he was just like, you know what? I'm going to make that wish come true. So he swerves off the space highway. Some of the other space vessels kind of crash, not knowing what he's doing. And again, this is space. There are no guardrails. Just an approximate route area for all the space travel, space vessels travel, going on the same direction and all that. But yeah, Dean just drives off-road, as space truckers call it, and he keeps riding into the stars. Okay. This next installment is called There's No Earth to Go Back To. It immediately got weird when he went off-road in the space highway. But to Dean, that was part of the fun. It's like walking through an area in a city that you've never been to, in a neighborhood you've never been in at night, where anything can happen. But the adrenaline kicks up, and Dean was 
more about it than he was expecting, actually. He knew he was taking a risk going off-road, uh, leading off the trade route to the space posts that he had to go to. But as he was riding, he was alone. And he's heard different stories, different space trucker lore about what happens when you go off-road. Um, whether it's the weird astral anomalies that can occur. Space pirates, that's totally a thing. He's never encountered them, encountered them himself. Uh, space mafia. And also people, also encountering the kinds of people that kind of would live in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you could also find them with their own little spaceports uh, off-road. Outside any kind of jurisdiction of a colony. And there's plenty of rumors of also smaller communities as well. See, when Dean would read about the 21st century, a lot of the planet Earth at the time was already treaded. There's still pockets of unexplored parts by uh, colonized nations. But space was so vast. And if someone was able to develop their own technology uh, to set up spaceports, then they'd probably do it. I mean, the technology to set up your own spaceport and space post, space station, a lot of that technology has been monopolized. Uh, by some of the organizations that funded uh, the spaceports in the first place. But enough of that information was outsourced where if someone did find the materials, they can certainly go off on their own. Again, this applied to smaller communities and it applied to space pirates as well. Though space pirates kind of more roamed on uh, ships and these uh, little fleets. Uh, whereas there's plenty of other smaller space stations scattered around the solar system, and they're not on any maps. And again, Dean was getting pretty high off the adrenaline of traversing into the unknown. But the big issue he was having was that his training didn't train him to do that. Again, it's not like the uh, Starship Enterprise or the Millennium Falcon. Uh, ships that are designed to blast into the unknown and to endure uh, whatever space shit throws at them. Uh, whatever shit space throws at them. No, but he was trained to just stick to the routes, stick to protocol, and you won't veer off into the abyss forever. And that's what he did on purpose. Um... But yeah, he had no training of uh, riding off-road in space. He didn't really know what a ship could handle. He's only ridden this uh, space truck a handful of times. But didn't know its engine or anything like that. He wasn't a repairman or a mechanic. 
So he, couldn't, he wasn't like a Maggie Magpie or anything like that. So he didn't know if something broke, he wouldn't know how to fix it. He didn't have photon torpedoes or any of that shit. It was just a trading vessel. He was in the kind of ship that you would find stranded, broken down in space, and then some real explorers kind of find it and then get attacked by space demons or whatever. Dean definitely considered that was the fate that he could have had. But again, he had a schedule to abide to, um, which he's already deviated from. And once he returned back on road, he would have to... He would be late, um, and he was not tardy. uh, He was not tardy enough to be fired for it when it came to scheduling and making trades on time. But then he thought about it, and he's like, do I want to go back? Or did he want to repurpose this new space vessel as his home? Did he want to turn it into, like, a space bunker? It was pretty spacious for one person. For most people, it costs a lot of space rent uh, to have a vessel like that. A station like that. Yes, there is space rent. Yes, there are space landlords. A lot of the weird bullshit that you find on Earth are things that you can find in space. Then he thought about it and he was like, I don't even know what's in the back of this truck. Now the company he worked for specifically, uh, they, tr- they traded a variety of things, or transported a variety of things. Often it would be food, uh, fresh food, or something like that. The space world didn't quite master the replicator. Uh, so a lot of colonies had like these little um, little gel pouches. You add water, and it looks they, they become into like little doughy blobs a little bit. Like nutrient bread, or a trash bread, depending on what you could afford. So he often had to transport a lot of this uh, nutrient goo. Uh, and also um, space parts as well. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of scrap metal, metal to be had in this uh, space world. Uh, this interpl- interplanetary, inner space post uh, domain. But he also transported a lot of specified parts, either for vessels or building skyscrapers in the colonies. But yeah, he didn't know what was in the spaceport. Or what was in the um, space truck. And he didn't, he didn't decide whether he wanted to commit to just be like a space nomad or an adventurer or just... This was just a little detour before he got back to work. But at the very least, he thought, I'll just check what we have in storage.
So we had one spacesuit in the back. Now this company disallowed anyone from bringing their own personal spacesuits to be worn uh, on the job, at least. If Dean uh, scheduled his trading so he could permit like a couple of vacation days uh, next to a trade that he had to do, if he could swing it, he was allowed to bring his own personal spacesuit and like do whatever he was doing in the place he was trading in. You know, again, make a little vac- little mini vacation out of it. He worked at the company long enough, so he earned a lot of vacation days and all that. But if you were just on the job. You know, making the trade, dropping off the supplies, and then just coming back. You know, you were given a patented spacesuit. That basically came with the truck. And they didn't always fit right. And they didn't always smell good. And the spacesuit Dean had didn't fit right or smell good. But he still put it on. It smelled like weird cheese, which he wasn't fond of. Like, when he put it on, he was like, I guess this is oxygen, I don't know. Maybe the filter was busted. Uh, There's a couple safety protocols he had to do uh, before he took it out, before he he would even want to take it out into space. But when he read the... uh, When he reviewed uh, the safeguards for a functioning suit... um, there's nothing in it about the suit smelling like cheese that just allowed it from being used in space. So he was just like, oh, I guess it works, okay. So he went out to space. Um, I wanted to get a proper view while I was in the truck. Now this was a little bit tricky. Usually a lot of these trucks would be open uh, in a spaceport where the gravity is stable. Um... Even though everything in the space truck is strapped to the walls and to the floor and to the ceiling, um, it was still much more easy easier to maneuver through the goods in a stable set of gravity, which was a little different at each space post. Like the gravity on Earth kind of set the standard of the gravity settings uh, in this interplanetary world. Um, but again, every colony had their own nuance. Uh, some piece of gravity were heavier than some areas of gravity were heavier than others some were lighter uh as a space trucker he's giving uh dean was given uh certain exercise routines uh so he could adapt to different types of gravity so most space truckers were very very fit uh were fit enough to do the job at least but so everything was strapped in So he set the space truck uh, to a setting where he could hover just in a stationary way. Um, but again, it was tricky to check the goods in mid-space, but he was just like, I'm going off the beaten path. Might as well double down. So he opened... Uh, Anyway, he went out in space, opened up the back of the space truck, 
and looked inside. He was surprised to find what was in the back of his truck. They were missiles. Now they never, they didn't always tell the trucker as well as in the back of the truck. Again, the company he worked for, uh, called Ion, uh, they just say, yeah, it's usually food or building supplies. That would be the gist of it. You know, the biggest project for any of the colonies was just like expand, expand, expand. So they're always working on the colonies and always working on new ships to go to further reaches in space. So they always needed new parts uh, from manufacturers from Earth, typically. But it was peculiar to find weapons. He didn't know Ion really traded uh, weapons like that. Or if they did, they weren't public about it. There were different laser rifles, um, missiles for larger spacecrafts, little energy generators that get attached to ships uh, so they could do like their own little like photon torpedo counterparts. This made Dean nervous. Um, you know, there's always a protocol if he was uh, robbed or anything like that. But the fact that he was carrying a sensitive load uh, made it more dangerous. In fact, there is a part of a section of the job is that you were given a, you had the option to carry sensitive materials. Uh, again, he didn't expect it to be the scale of weapons like these, but definitely anything that was uh, more of a high-profile kind of thing, or hazardous goods or anything like that. And he didn't sign anything like that, so he shouldn't be having these sensitive goods in the back of his truck. Yeah, but Dean was pissed. And his sense of adventure died down because he was just really pissed at his employers. So what he did, he's got he back got back into the driver's seat in the truck. Made a call uh, to one of the people at home base, at the home base on Earth, which he stop, he stops by consecutively, mainly to do pickups. You know, he didn't love he didn't live on Earth for a long time, though he did grow up there. But he made the call. But he eventually contacted uh, one of the heads there, Sasha, and she was in charge of managing the trading routes, uh, managing the trucking routes, and like the kind of goods they shipped. So she was she would be the one that would have answers. And Sasha was just like, "Hey, Dean, what's up?" And Dean was like, "Well, I gotta. So, do you know what's in my truck?" And Sasha was, um. I can check the report real quick. Give me a second, I can look it up. 
Indeed said, no, I'll just tell you. I got a bunch of fucking weapons in here, man. And Sasha said, what do you mean? Indeed said, well, I counted them. I've got some missiles. I got some uh, energy generators uh, for weapons, for ships that can fire weapons. Uh, I got some rifles, laser rifles, laser pistols. Like, this could, you know, this could, uh, this could arm like a small army, you know? Sasha said, okay, um, I'll say two things, though, real quick. One, you're not supposed to, uh, open the goods, uh, before you read your trading, before you reach your trading post, which you're not scheduled to reach for another day and a half. Uh, the other thing... You're off-road right now. Indeed said, yes. Yes, I am. And Sasha said, well, you're, that's against protocol too. So you broke two rules uh, in one go. And Dean said, yeah, well, that doesn't change the fact that there are a bunch of fucking weapons in my truck. Like, if, if I run into a bunch of, bunch of fucking space pirates, you know, and they see what's in my truck... They can use them against me, and they just blow up the ship, and it'll be easy. Leave me stranded in space, launch me into the abyss, and just use me for target practice, man. Like, come on. Like, I don't even get paid for this shit. I don't get paid enough for this shit. Like, come on. And then Sasha said, well, if you weren't off-road, this would not be something you'd have to deal with in the first place. And then Dean said, well, all right, well, it's got to be a mistake that I have this load, right? Can you at least, like, check on that? Like, I should not be doing this in the future. And Sasha said, yeah, um, yeah, so just make the trade anyway. Um, I'll make sure of that in the future. But let me go check the record to see if you're actually to get the wrong truck. Sasha put him on hold for about five minutes, which turned in ten minutes, fifteen, twenty. Dean was getting even more pissed. He was like, God fucking damn it, why am I even a space trucker anyway, man? I was freaking misled by that weird dude in elementary school. What the fuck was I thinking? Might as well be just like a space adventurer and just fling myself into the sun to see how hot it is. It's goddamn ridiculous. And then Sasha got back on the phone. And she said, so Dean, I'm going to level with you. I just checked uh, with my superior. Um, you're going to want to make that delivery. And Dean said, no, I don't, I don't want to. No, I'm off-road because this job's bullshit. Like, come on. This isn't even the first thing that something like this happened. You know, this is just a fucking accumulation. Like, I'm on the verge of fucking quitting right now. And Sasha said, Dean, I get it, but you have to make this delivery. And Dean said, I have half a mind to just 
drop the shit on Earth. I don't care. And then Sasha said, Dean. All right. Again, I don't think you're getting it. You have a hot truck. And Dean was like, what? And Sasha said, you're going to want to make that delivery. Because if you don't, there's not going to be an earth to go back to. This is a very important delivery. You've been with the company for a long time. I'm assuming that's why they gave it to you. A lot of people who signed that contract to do sensitive goods have their hands in other pots, so to speak. But you're just a hard worker, really solid at your job. You know, you do right by us, by Ion. They know that. They saw that. They gave you this delivery. It's an important delivery. If you don't do it, it's going to be messy. And there's going to be no Earth to go back to. Do you understand? And Dean said, Sasha, I don't get paid enough for this shit. And Sasha sighed and said, No, you do not. Alright. This next installment is called The Rain Won't Quit. Dean was sweating profusely. When he got back on that space highway, he was driving faster so he could make it on time. But he was on off-road for quite a bit. So he wasn't sure if he'd make it. But he just kept cursing at himself. He was like, God fucking damn it, Sasha. Like, hot? What does that mean? Of course I know what it means. Fuck, who's this going to? Like a fucking space militias? We're having space wars now? I thought fucking, the fucking colonies were gonna be like interplanetary peace. Like, what the fuck? He thought it was, in the back of his head, he thought it was remarkable that all of his romanticized prospects of face were just being butchered pretty much all in one day. Whether it was reflecting on how the space trucker dad he saw in elementary school was weird, uh, to his company fucking him over. And now the insinuation of what these weapons were actually for in the context of space warfare. 
even though the space colonies have been in swing for quite some time, it's never quite had the scale of a space world war, uh, or the, um, the interplanetary scale of a world war, so to speak. It was always just like little skirmishes off-road here and there. Sometimes people in colonies rebelling against, um, the people who built them, the people that run them. But not colony against colony. That wasn't really a thing that happened at this juncture. Mainly because, you know, as durable as the space colonies were, a lot of them were made from domes and all that. And how difficult is it to puncture a dome? Some colonies had more safeguards than others, uh, trying to protect themselves from aliens that haven't even been discovered yet. Uh, though there's strong evidence suggesting that there's other stuff that they're being spied on. But still, taking out a space colony would be not only very destructive, but also the other colonies would kind of come down on that one. But it would be hysteria. Everything that the human species were building colony-wise in space up to this point would just be shattered. And it seemed to be the, uh, the technology company owners uh, and the governments were just too keen on expanding, expanding, um, and growing and building. Too obsessed with that to really mess with each other's business. But perhaps they reached a stature, Dean thought, that they were finally ready to just try to tear each other down so they, they could keep building themselves up. Because the weapons he had were highly destructive. For very vast, large military vehicles. He didn't know if it was just, you know... If it was just a surplus in a defense budget, you know, if it was like a Cold War thing of just like, let's just build a bunch of weapons. He was hoping it was that, but the fact that Sasha said it was hot meant there was something else. He didn't know what these weapons were going to be for, and then she said that there would be no Earth. He was freaking out about it, but he thought, you know what, I'm just going to make my delivery on time, take a fucking vacation, maybe get a new job. Maybe I will be a space adventurer and just fling myself into the abyss, into a black hole. Because there's got to be something better on the other side of that than this shit right here. Now, if he didn't know it was in the truck, it would just be another job. He'd be driving be listening to listening to a podcast uh, about space stand-up comedians complaining complaining how they can't say anything even though they say most if not all things but he would just be you know minding his business just doing his job but now that he knew that his truck was hot it was he was freaking out he was overthinking he was worried to do something wrong what if he, what if he got into an accident what if he's late? What if he was robbed? All this stuff. And the other thing that he was kind of worried about is that he had to stay overnight somewhere for this delivery. And he thought, okay, if I just stay at a... If I just pull over somewhere, 
you know, take a quick, take a quick, quick, uh, quick nap, two hours, and get back up. I can make it on time. as a space trucker, uh, he knew about the vast network of uh, smaller space stations uh, specifically designed for people traveling, and especially space truckers, uh, and then kind of function of uh, as you know, as like little motels, hotels, uh, gas stations, but for uh, electric fuel and all that. Little restaurants, uh, Things of that nature. Little pit stops. Little space pit stops. On his map, he saw that there's one coming up. And most of these, most of these pit, pit stops were just old-fashioned space stations. You know, you dock somewhere, and then you go into a separate room to eat for where the restaurant areas are, or just like the food stuff, burgers or whatever. Um, separate area of like the sleeping area. And things and the things of that nature, and sometimes they take care of your car and refuel, so you can get back out the next day. And some of the nicer ones had kind of like more of like an entertainment center and all that. But a lot of the recent uh, space pit stops that were built tried to function as domes, the way that the colonies were. That seemed to be the new technological trend uh, that Dean was noticing, uh, trying to trying to have like these little mini domes. And it would try to like recreate, uh, recreate what it's like on Earth uh, by having their own little climate patterns and all that. Again, this was a very sophisticated type of pit stops, and there weren't many around yet. But again, it was definitely a growing trend, and they were nice, you know. So he was not complaining, but he thought, but there's one coming up, and it was one of these like little space pit stop, pit stop zones, one of these pit stop space domes. And he's like, that sounds great. I'm going to check in with these weapons and just not worry about it. Take a two-hour nap, get some food, and just make the delivery. Just like you've been doing for a number of years. Second nature to you. Not a big deal. Just treat it like a regular job. So, he went to the space pit stop. Um... And he docked in. And they flew to the parking area. And it was pretty spacious. He was pretty impressed. But the whole thing kind of looked like it was a park. He was looking around. It seemed like one of those pit stops that were kind of more designed for, like, traveling families and all that. People on vacation. More of a tourist destination. uh, Rather than someone who's just, like, working and traveling and all that. But yeah, he docked and uh, he got out of his space truck. Uh, and the attendants there said that they'd refuel. And he says, yeah, I just need, I'm taking like a two hour nap. Um, I was actually gonna sleep in the truck. 
then the attendant said, oh, well, we can, uh, we got like a little motel we can do. We can give you like a discounted rate if you're not staying Uber, like it's not staying too long for eight hours or anything. And then Dean's like, you know what? I think I could use a fresh bed. So that's fine by me. Yeah, two, three hours. That'll be great. So he tipped the attendant and he walked out into the park area and he saw that it was raining. Now, when the colonies were built, a big incentive was uh, acclimating a climate that people could tolerate and endure. Um, he remembered this one story that he read, a little documentary, about a about the first biodome that was built uh, in the 1990s or 1980s or something. It was called a Biosphere 2 uh, or something like that. A 100% real thing that's easy to look up, and if you don't know anything about it, it is very much worth looking up. But, like, when he was learning learning about that dome, the one thing he saw in this documentary called Spaceship Earth, which, again, a very real documentary, is very much worth looking up. But when he was watching that documentary, he saw that uh, the dome tried to, uh, tried to uh, mimic different climates all in the same dome which watching it didn't make sense because like if you're trying to develop a habitable habitable dome why not just do one climate but that's something they figured out by the time all these colonies and uh, domes were built and all that but when he got into the park area it was raining which wasn't something he expected he thought like okay pit stop dome kind of like a minimal it might just like feel oxygeny or whatever, you know. Every time he was in a dome, it always felt synthetic. It was never quite the real thing on Earth. Some of the colonies came close, never the same thing. But this one's a little bit more sophisticated. He wasn't expecting the rain. Now, the rain is something that kind of happens as a novelty in the larger colonies, because uh, they try to do like, some of them try to do like an agriculture thing and try to have synthetic rain just for the sake of watering the plants and just so people can enjoy the rain. Uh, they actually schedule the rain so people can like enjoy it and have like rainy afternoons and all that. Something, sometimes they have uh, parades that get rained on deliberately so people can see a parade get rained on or feel the adversary, uh, or feel the endurance of wanting to see a parade and watching it get rained on and being all like, you know what, fuck it, I don't care if it's raining, I'm going to see this parade, just so people can have that feeling. Um, this is how well thought out these colonies were. But he was surprised to see the rain on such a small dome. That's the thing that kind of wowed him. And he said to the attendant, oh, I, um, I don't have an umbrella. And the attendant said, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, our rain is uh, on the fritz. It's been raining for like uh, two weeks straight really heavy downpour. And again, Dean was surprised by how sophisticated he was, but he stuck his tongue out and he tasted the rain. It's like, yeah, it tastes synthetic, it tastes metallic, like so much colony rain.
But yeah, Dean checked into the little motel that they had in the park. It was a nice bed, pretty firm, nothing he needed. But he just lied on it and fell asleep, set a little alarm to wake, up, wake him up in three hours. The alarm woke him up, and he got, a be got out of bed three and a half hours later. So he went out of the motel, um, out on his little balcony with a little pavilion. He saw that it was still raining. And he just felt just like he had to watch the rain for a bit. You know, contemplating his life, contemplating the job. Wishing he could see the stars from his motel. Went down, then he walked down to the little restaurant area and saw this one little space convenience store called Wawa. And got ordered a little space sandwich, a space meatball sub. And then he went back to the parking dock with his little sandwich. And when he got to the area, his truck was gone. And he talked to the attendant, and he said uh, that was there, to checked him in. And he said, hey, um, my truck's gone. And the attendant said, oh, I was just got back from lunch break. Did you not pick it up? And then Dean was like, no, man. Where's where's my truck? And the attendant said, all right, we can check in for you. You got a GPS tracker? And Dean says, yeah, yeah, I do. And the attendant said, okay, if it was stolen, we can track it and call the uh, local authorities. Dean said, what authorities? Like, what's the nearest space post here? And then the tenant said, right, sorry, I'm new here. Let's, let's get to it. Dean pulled out his watch and set up the tracker. He connected it to the attendant's computer. To track the truck. And the attendant said, okay, okay, it's not far. It's uh, in route to Saturn right now. And the Dean said, okay. Um, oh shit, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. All right, well, I guess, yeah, call the authorities, report it. I don't know, I'll call my company. Um, yeah, I'll do something, I don't know. And then Dean felt his phone ring, um, and he answered it, and he's like, yeah, no Sasha. And she said, Dean, you're not in your truck. 
And Dean said, no, I am not. And Sasha said, why not? And Dean said, someone stole the truck. I checked out, checked out at a pit stop to take a nap and get a food. Um, and they took the truck. I don't know what to tell you. And Sasha said, you knew what was in the truck, and yet you chose to be separated from it anyway. You knew it was a hot truck, and you just left it on its own. And Dean said, well, if I just, I thought I treated it like a, an extra, just like a, you know, like a regular job, you know, it'd be, it'd be easier, you know? Like if it was stolen out of the blue, and I was checked in at a pit stop, and if it wasn't full of what it was full of, I wouldn't be hearing about it now. And then Sasha said, but Dean, you knew what was in it. And then Dean said, all right, well, it's, you know, the attendant was helping me track it. It's heading to Saturn anyway, so I should be off the hook. I shouldn't even be doing this, you know? Fuck Earth, I don't care. Sasha said, Dean, we'll give you funds to rent a car, but you have to get that truck back. And Dean said, I don't know how you expect me to do that. And Sasha said, Dean... You have to get that truck back. And Dean said, all right, fine, fine. So we hung up. And he said, yeah, the uh, company's going to wire me some funds. Do you have a, uh, can I rent a car here? And the intendant said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So Dean rented a little space car. And he just felt like a civilian, you know. It didn't go as fast as space trucks, so that'll be challenging for him. But he had to cross the park to get to the uh, rental area. And he looked up at the top of the dome, and he just thought, uh, the rain won't quit. Dean drove long enough to catch up with the truck, presumably en route to Saturn. Other than some risky detours and shortcuts, uh, the truck was basically making its way to the same outpost where Dean had to make the delivery. And Dean was just shaking his head, just like, I'm basically supervising without the extra pay grade. This is bullshit. They're making it closer uh, to the spaceport where the delivery had to be made. Again, basically, it was a large space station uh, just for the sole purpose of making trades and deliveries. But yeah, he didn't know, Dean didn't know what the weapons were for. He didn't know if it was going to be used for a colony 
against the colony? He had no idea. He didn't know whoever stole the truck was making the proper delivery or not. Dean didn't even know what he'd do when he confronted whoever stole the truck. Both vehicles make it to the spaceport. The truck checks in. And Dean has been to the spaceport many times. He knew the inside pretty well. So he checked in in a different area. Uh, there's the, there's like the main trucking uh, ports, entries they can go in. And then kind of the more the, um, the more civilian vehicles Dean found a loophole where he could go into the port next door, like the ent- garage entry next door to it. And he had a smaller vehicle that didn't warrant it, but he knew some of the staff there and he thought he could explain his way through it. So Dean checked in and they said, hey, you're not a, this, this isn't a, a parking lot, man. This is, we're just for trading and all that. And Dean said, yeah, I know. Someone stole my truck. I'm just getting it back. Um, when I do, I'll take the truck. And I'll... Uh, yeah, I'm supposed to trade the truck here. It's a complicated story. Anyway, truck was stolen. Here to make the trade. Um, when I'm done, I'll take the truck and uh, take this car. And just haul it off. It'll be fine. Here's my pass for checking in. And the attendant said, okay, all right. You're Dean, right? And Dean said, yeah, yeah. And the attendant said, okay, you had a delivery at a... Yeah, like uh, three hours ago. Um, and Dean said, I was taking a nap. Sorry. That's why the truck was stolen. But look, the truck's in the other port, so can I just, like, check up on that real quick? And the attendant said, yeah, just go down that stairwell over there. And Dean said, perfect, thank you. So Dean went to the other garage area. And there are multiple trucks there. It's a pretty big space. But eventually he found the truck, uh... And he felt like a weird kinship with it, even though it wasn't like a truck that he owned or anything. It just meant that he was working too many hours at the space trucking job. And then Dean heard a voice like, oh, there he is. And Dean turned around and it was the uh, space trucker dad that uh, presented uh, at his elementary school when he was a kid. He said, oh, how you doing? And Dean said, um, 
I'm alright, yeah. Someone uh, stole this truck and was uh, gonna make a trade. Uh, it's been it's been a rough it's been a rough ride, man. I gotta say, yeah. Someone stole this truck and they deliver it delivered it for me. And I I don't know what's going on, man. I'm just glad it's here. I think I'm just gonna do paperwork and just like get the fuck out of Dodge. And then the space trucker dad nodded and he was like, "Oh yeah." You know who's in the truck? And uh, Dean said, no, got no idea. I usually don't check. They usually don't tell me. They do sometimes, but I never, I'm not like rifling through. I don't like fake stuff. I'm not, not that, not that just, that's my line, you know? Not that kind of trucker. So yeah, I don't know what's inside. And then the space trucker dad said, yeah, you do. And Dean said, no, I, I got no idea, man. I don't know. And the space trucker dad said, but I saw you. Yeah, when you went off-road. Yeah, I saw you got out, of, got out of the space truck, put one of those really gnarly ion spacesuits that they haven't updated in like 10 years. You know. And I saw you open it, saw you look around. You didn't take anything, but you probably wanted to. You were in the back for a bit. You got back in, then you started to go with the delivery again. Or what it seemed like. I didn't know if you were going to deliver the truck or not. I don't know if you are going to take the weapons for yourself anyway. And Dean said, I... Listen, man. I'm just a space trucker. Making a delivery. I was going to make the delivery, you know. And Dean said, oh yeah, you left it at the port for a while. I was worried. I thought, you know, this guy doesn't have what it takes to be a space trucker. Might as well get a veteran to do it, right? And Dean said, I was, listen man, it's my whole intention to deliver this truck. It's delivered, we got no problems. Not gonna hear anything from me. And the space trucker dad said, no, no, I'm sure not. Yeah, let's, uh, let's go for a walk here. There's a different way to check in these uh, items. Like this, we kind of check in here, but we don't empty it here, you know? Um, Let's hop in the trucker together. I already checked in, so let's let's go to the other. Let's really empty out the load here. And Dean was like, I don't... I really don't want to, man. And the space trucker dad said, come on, five minutes, let's go. Hop in. I'm not asking. And Dean saw that space trucker dad uh, had a space pistol at his side. He didn't pull it out or anything, but he had his uh, hand on the handle. And Dean said, all right, fine, fuck it. So the space trucker dad got into the driver's seat and Dean got into the passenger seat. And the space trucker dad is like, ah, old Betsy. And Dean was like, what? And he said, oh, the space trucker dad said, old, old Betsy, you know? This is one of the first trucks I've ever drove, you know? Well, that's not true. I've been driving trucks for a while. It's actually kind of a recent brand, a uh, recent build. But, you know, I've driven this truck many times, you know? I've been working at Ion for a while. I pretty much know their whole fleet of random trucks, you know? You feel it out, you know? 
and then it's space trucker dad was pulling out of the space garage and I said you know how like when you uh some trucks you just kind of like drop off you drop off the cargo and then head off you know and some trucks you empty on the spot and take the whole canister with you you know there's a couple reasons for that um you gotta work for the company for a long time to know really know what goes where you know our job's pretty important and Dean's like yeah I'm okay sure Dean was pretty nervous he was just kind of just agreeing with uh, space trucker dad didn't even know his name really only met him twice once at the elementary school and once uh, when he first started uh, being space trucker and now in this weird hostage scenario uh, at the space station uh, outside Saturn Space trucker dad uh, drove the space truck down kind of to the lower decks of the space station. I said, "Yeah, we got to check. We got to empty this load down to the basement. Uh, we have some people meeting with us. Um, you know, it's it's funny how uh, you know we call it. I always call it the basement. You know, again, I grew up on Earth. You know, that is, you know, I always." refer to things as like up and down left right east west you know that's like where i developed my sense of direction but you know we're in part of a generation we're we both we're both part of generations where there are plenty of people that like were born in space off a planet and just on like a space post somewhere and their whole sense of direction is just completely different you know they're not confined by like this up down left right shit you know it's three-dimensional, man. You know what I'm saying? And Dean was like, yeah, I have been a space trucker for a while. I know exactly what you're saying. And the space trucker dad was pulling into the lower decks. He's like, no, but I mean, like, to be born with it, man. You know, it's like a different thing. That's like what I'm fucking chasing. That pure understanding of just, like, three-dimensional space, you know? And Dean said, um, yeah. So I got to... I got a rental car, I got to return. How about you unload and I'll just like, you know, take the elevator back up to where I docked and just head out. I'm just telling you, man, I don't know anything. And then the space trucker dad said, well, you don't gotta, you don't gotta be all bashful about it, you know. You know, if you didn't, um, if you didn't make this delivery, Earth would have been fucked, you know. Some really angry people uh, needed these weapons. And if they didn't get them, uh, they were going to have to use some other weapons that they had. Which, I don't think you could blow up a planet. It's not like the Death Star or anything, but... It's far more destructive, that's for sure. So you saved, you saved a lot of people a lot of trouble, you know? So once a uh, space trucker dad parked, I uh, said to Dean, like, let's step out of the car. Let's say hi. And they both stood out. And then some dudes in these cool space leather jackets uh, were talking to space trucker dad. And they said, all right, you got the, all right, thanks for delivery. You know, I didn't know you were making delivery. You know, I would have been, 
You know, would have been less formal about it. You know, could have just went straight here. We didn't have to do the original check-in. Space Trucker died. Well, like, it was supposed to be Dean who did it, you know, who's, uh, again, he's pretty new. So, you know, it happens. He doesn't know, he doesn't know the protocol, you know. And Dean said, I don't even know what's in the truck. And then one of the guys in the leather jacket said, ah, you know, don't even know. Well, good. <laughs> and the space trucker dad, uh, yeah, yeah, he's fine. But, uh, yeah. And then the guy in the leather jacket pulled out uh, his wallet, uh, took a little card. And the space trucker dad took out a little reader. He inserted the card into the reader and uploaded a bunch of credits. And then the space trucker dad said, uh, yeah, so we'll just leave it with you then. And the guy in the leather jacket said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. The space trucker dad said, uh, all right, Dean, let's take the elevator up. Uh, I left my own, I left my own car at the uh, spaceport uh, where you rented that car. So let's hit two birds with one stone and go together, right? And then the space dad just patted him on the shoulder. And then they both went up into a long service elevator. And then the space dad said, I don't have any, um, yeah, I got a lot of credits for the job, you know, uh, credits you could have gotten. Um, I'll split them with you. Maybe like, let's go 60-30. And then, uh, the space trucker, uh, dad said, wait, no, that's not right, is it? And then Dean said, um, 60-30, that's 90. Did you mean like a 70-30 or, um, 40-60 or something? And then the space dad was like, yeah, yeah, I can't do math. If I was, it wouldn't be a space trucker. <laughs> and then they both uh, go to the docking area where the rental car is. And Dean said, uh, yeah, I'm going to yeah, hop in. I'll drive. I'll drive you to the spaceport. They both hop in. They both go down the space highway. And then the space dad is just saying, yeah, gotta love these stars, you know? Gotta love the adventure of being a space trucker, you know? Indeed said, um, yeah, this is the most uh, interesting ride I've had in a while. The space dad was just like, really? Uh, yeah, for me, every ride's like this. You know, just meeting a lot of people, doing a lot of good for other people, you know, they're gonna make some, they're making some really great things with that cargo, you know. It's kind of more of a quiet ride for the rest of the time to the port. And even pulling up to it, Dean could see the rain uh, happen in the dome from outside of it. both pull out to pull up to the docking area. Dean even sees the same attendant and waves to him. 
and the attendant leaves for a hot second. And then Space Dad in the car is just says, uh, yeah, so I got my car. I'm going to head out. Um, yeah, I guess this is the rental. Uh, so, yeah, maybe you can call Ion. Maybe they can give you a ride or something because the truck's the space station. And I guess this uh, pit stop needs a rental. So, yeah, I'm sure you can work it out. You know, you've been in the business for a long time. I think you get it. And that was the thing that really set Dean off the edge. He was just fuming throughout the entire interaction with uh, the space trucker dad. Feeling really anxious and nervous about him having a pistol. And having him as just like a low-key hostage, you know, during the whole trading experience. But that little comment was, again, that's what got Dean fired up. So he just kind of like looked at Space Trucker Dad, made eye contact for a half a second, and then just punched him in the face. And then again, and then again. Dean was physically a bigger guy than uh, Space Trucker Dad, and Space Trucker Dad was an older man, you know? He's been in the trucking game for a while. Space Trucker Dad went for his pistol, uh, but then Dean wailed on him in the face, in the head, and then he dropped the pistol uh, near his feet. And they were both hitting each other in the car, um, but Dean was the physically stronger person. Uh, so eventually, Space Trucker Dad just kind of recoiled in his seat. His face is all bloody. And Dean was giving heavy breaths. Space Trucker Dad was like half knocked out. Kind of stared at Dean, uh, just thinking, why would you do that, you know? Saying that non-verbally, of course. And then Dean opens the car door and then just looks at Space Trucker Dad again for a half second, reminiscing on him appearing in elementary school, reminiscing on when he first met him, uh, when he was first, uh, first being a space trucker, and then again this third interaction with this re weird illegal trade. So with the car door open, um, Dean halfway stepped out, again, just looking at Space Trucker Dad whose name he didn't even know, and just said, Yeah, you're right. Space trucking is cool. Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi, and good night.